I want to talk to you, and, and I just want to talk to you man to man, look at you, and, and uh, get this thing straightened out. If you didn't know Bub Skelton, you heard his voice for the first time in the Murder Etc. episode, Dare Me to Come. You heard it because of a man named Leonard Brown. I called Leonard Brown the first time not because I had any idea he had a tape of Bub Skelton. I called him because he had run for sheriff two times and had been a crusader for honest law enforcement. It was only after I met Brown and his son, Leonard Brown Jr., that I realized Brown had a ton of recordings from the 1970s that could end up being important to the Murder Etc. story. It was also around that time I realized Brown had more stories than I ever knew. And I would almost always leave his presence with a sore stomach because I'd been laughing so hard. Every time we'd get to talking about a subject, Brown had a story to go along with it. Like this one about a man who has almost nothing to do with this case. Gets into it with the police. Calls me one day in the snow and you got to get over here. I got, I need you bad. Get over here. What the hell you want me for? If you got problems, call the damn police. They get there before I can. It's snowing. I can't call the police. I can't call them. The Sim is trying to do something to me. I take off over to Ibis. He's locked inside. He's got a girl that works there that's the wife of a captain with the police department, and he's done fell in love with her. <laughs> he done fell in love with us. They go home because it's snowing. They close the store and just go, go home. He stays there. He's talking to the police police wife on the phone. Policeman, he's done downstairs, got him something hooked up to the phone, <laughs> listening to him. <laughs> so he's talking to her. Policeman finally comes on and said, by God, I know who you are and I'm coming to kill you. <laughs> he's coming to kill me. Want me to come over and let it get him out. I follow him to the damn Georgia line, getting the hell out of town. <laughs> He's so damn scared. <laughs> Scaredest guy I ever seen. I said, hell, he, 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 did, he want me to pull the car right up right next to the house and get him in it to get him over to his other car. I said, hell, he ain't going to be out here going to shoot you with two or three witnesses. I mean, he's a damn policeman. You know he can't have no damn witnesses. <laughs> Anyhow. I follow him to the Georgia line. I finally turn around and come back. He says, getting the hell out of town. <laughs> this was how Leonard Brown lived in the 1970s. The owner of Southeastern Alarm Systems, a man who ended up recording more conversations than your average guy from Greenville County. At first, I couldn't figure out why a burglar alarm man would be recording people. But as it turned out, and as he and his son explained one day, recording people became sort of a job requirement. Oh, I was trying to get uh, information about a uh, break-in on a building that they kept robbing and just couldn't ever get there. And I knew who was hanging around there. You could just go over there any evening, you'd find them all hanging around playing the poker machines or pinball machines or whatever they was playing. You know somebody knows something if you knock a window out. Got to be somebody involved with it, you know. And a lot of the break-ins, a lot of the robbers was involved, the people there. You know, they wasn't really robbed. A lot of them wasn't. A lot of them was the personnel having them robbed. In fact, I seen one, I, I went by there and the guy was there and I went on up the road. A few minutes later, Carl said he'd been robbed. I went back down there. It was raining outside and and a window was knocked out so I could tell nobody's walked in here with no wet feet. 
You know, the window knocked out, but the stuff gone, you know, the money gone. So nobody had walked in there with no wet feet, so I knew it had to be in there and then come out. And then I had another one down here that they knocked the window out. They robbed the thing, and it had double windows, you know, two pl two plates. You know, you seen it with double. They went outside, knocked one window out. It didn't even break through the other side. Guy thought he'd just... You know, when they robbed the place, they just went outside and knocked the window out. The other side was still there. Went up there and puck on the window. Yeah, it's still intact, you know. So I brought the old woman over there who was a, who was a clerk. Said, what in the hell happened here? She stood around there and looked at it and said, nobody could have got in here. You locked up? Yeah, we locked up. She come up with a story that just before she locked up, some mean damn guy come in there and threatened her and he stole a load of cigarettes and he uh, robbed these damn machines and, and then he threatened me and went outside and broke a window out and left and I lock up and didn't say nothing to nobody. <laughs> All kind of damn stupid tales. How did he get to the point that he was using wireless microphones yeah. and things? People paid him to respond to these silent alarms. He would find in his investigations when there was an alarm activation that many times it was an inside job. Many times the employees of the business he was protecting themselves were involved in robbing the place where they worked. And so in investigating all this, he began to gather information to solve the problem for the alarm client. And he began to use some unorthodox methods to do so. Somebody would give him information that someone was involved in this. And then he would begin to uh, use wireless microphones and recording equipment to get to get them to admit or get them on tape admitting that they had that they had done this in, in, in the process of solving the crime. And that is how you ended up hearing Bub Skelton's voice in that phone call. There is some context behind that call. The 1972 election was over, and Bub Skelton, who had worked for Sheriff Bob Martin, had not supported Leonard Brown. Brown knew about Bub and his activities, and Bub didn't like the rumors he'd been hearing around town. So that set Bub Skelton off one morning, and resulted in the call you heard in Dare Me to Come. Here's an extended version of some of what you heard in that episode. The only thing I did, I said I wasn't going to be for you. And I never did even bother you, never bothered me, mess with you at all. You told people I threatened you, you told people I was a crook, you told people the FBI was coming after me, you've hurt my family, you've hurt my children. I ain't children. told nobody the FBI was coming after you. You're a goddamn liar, you have. I got it on tape. I just. And I want to talk to you about it. I'm going to talk to you about it. Now, you know, it's all over. I'm going to talk to you about it. You've got to face me, buddy. I want to talk to you about it. You know, I'm going to look right straight in your eye and talk to you about it. Now, you had... I just told him what that nut told me that was down there at the election headquarters that night. Don't, don't come. Don't come in that, Leonard. Well, I've... Now, listen. You hear me? Look, just wait a minute. I'll now, I'm not going to wait a goddamn minute about nothing. You have given me hell. You have crucified me. You've run your mouth. You've lied on me. And I haven't. Have I ever bothered you? You don't reckon? Have I? Have not? For half, say I have. No, of course I know, yeah. Well, what in the hell did you go before the grand jury for? I go before the grand jury about you. You're a goddamn liar. I didn't even have you on the. You're a goddamn liar. You had Mac Wilson. Now, you're going to answer. 
letters you're going to talk Look, to I me. never even cared that's before the grand jury you, about you. Hey, you're going to talk to me. Now, you understand that? Well, just wait a minute. I never cared that's before the grand jury about now, you. Now, turn your tape on, but you're going to talk to me. I'm entitled. I'm an American citizen. I ain't convinced convicted of nothing contrary to what you said. But you're going to talk to me, and you're going to turn your... turn. I don't give a damn turned on. I ain't threatening you. I said you're going to talk to me. Are you going to go up there and charge the court once? I'm going to have a hear down about this. You understand me? I never cared anything before the grand jury about you. How many people people did you tell you going to FBI is going to come pick Bubba up? You didn't tell Billy that? Huh? I told Billy that that guy told me from Atlanta what that guy told me. You are a goddamn liar. You told Billy one high brother's going to be on the FBI going to take you back. I didn't do it. I asked him, did he did he know about that guy coming up here from Atlanta snooping around? I didn't tell him he's going to come. I didn't even know the war. You're you a goddamn liar. That guy. You're a liar, Leonard. Don't you? Not just, no, I'm not. No such thing. I mean, just wait a minute. I'll tell you what I told him. All right. Tell me what you told me. I told him that there's some guy coming up here from Atlanta was jacking with me down at election headquarters that night about that. Yes, I did. And I told him he said he was going Are you calling Billy a liar? If he said I said they was going to come pick you up, because I didn't, because I didn't know where they was or not. Uh, All I know is what he said. Know. Well, you son of a bitch, you wouldn't pay Jesus Christ. You talk about FBI picking somebody. You know you're a no good motherfucker. And, and God damn it, turn your tape player on you. You talk about FBI come picking somebody. I ain't never done a goddamn thing to you. What have I done to you? I didn't say you'd done anything to me. What the fuck you want to pick on me for? I ain't picking on you. What'd you run around and run your old goddamn mouth for? Huh? I ain't picked on you at all. Leonard, now listen. I want to ask you something like a gentleman. I'm mad. Sure I am. But I am a gentleman. You want to meet me at the sheriff's office or where you want to meet me? You're going to have to talk to me. Well, I'm talking to you now. You're going to have to talk to me in person. And I don't know where you got that crap about Dick James. Uh, where are you going to talk to me? Dick James using me because Dick to- asked he, me not to he run. He made a fucking fool out of you. He laughed how stupid ass you were to get out there and sling all that shit. Damn it, I don't want to dread you and I don't want you to dread me. Well, look, I just now told you you don't have to. I ain't intended to do nothing to nobody. Well, I ain't got no grudges over this damn thing. You always got the grudges. I'm not going to grudge. I just want to have a taste. Good. I'm going up down the damn road, and I'm not going to be bothered. I'm you. going up down the road, too, and people threaten to bust my head uh, and all that stuff. Billy's only one going to whip your ass, and he's going to whip your goddamn ass. Now, you can just count on that, and I can't keep it from you. You know he's hard-headed. Well, he, I don't know why he has to be so damn hard-headed. Well, he's going to whip your goddamn ass, and he's going to disfigure you. Now, I mean, you can just bet on that. Now, you you talk about shooting, if you shoot him, Homer will come kill you. If you kill Homer, Joe will come kill you. And vice versa, you know that. You can't win. You gonna get your ass kicked, but I'm not gonna fuck with you. You understand that? Yeah, well. Now I'm a, I'm a, I'm concerned about. It. I live out there. Yeah, and I know I'm not, and I know you you've been patient. You've talked, man. I appreciate that. Your phone's been ringing. I know you've been a speech on. I know you continue intend to continue to make a living for your family by the means that you've been doing. But I don't want you to be fucking with me, and I ain't gonna be fucking with you. Look, I hadn't intended to. 
Well, hasn't even thought about it. In fact, about me. that's the damn craziest thing I ever heard. I ain't even thought about coming well, over there and shooting you or nothing. Look, you know damn well if anybody wanted to shoot you, they could done shot you if they wanted to. Good God. That ain't no problem. Anybody can shoot anybody. You ain't, shoot you ain't impressed me a damn bit. But you usually go on the hand tactics about me, because if I'd have wanted to get you, and if I'd have been about a fellow you said I've been, uh, they say that you said I've been, you wouldn't even be here talking to me on the phone. But I'm not that kind of fellow. I didn't say you were. I ain't no Sunday school boy by any means, and I'd be a goddamn liar if I said it was, you would too, Leonard. But I'm trying to tell you that I live out here, and you live out here, and I don't want to be dreading you, and I don't want you to be dreading me. Well, I'm, I'm not, not going to bother you, but I want to come down there with a matter of record so we both have assurance that you don't know what Look, I'm, I'm not dreading to start with. Well, I don't dread you as a goddamn, you understand that? I'm not dreading Because I'll wade right in there, and I'll run you out of your own goddamn house if I took a fucking notion, because I know I can do it. Now, you say, oh, are you come to you. I'll come up there, I could. I won't. I'm not going to. But I come up there and run you plumb out of your fucking house. Because I know if I come up there what I'm going to do. And you, I've asked you on a mutual ground. You, you may do anything. I don't know what you might do, but I ain't threatened to do no such crap. And I don't do intend it. to threaten to do no such stuff. And I don't intend to you do no such stuff as that because you. I ain't got no reason to do no you such stuff. You won't let me come to your house. You won't come to Solicitor's office. I you told won't. you I'd come to Solicitor's office. You'll call him and get a time set up for me to meet you there. I'll meet you there at 8.30. I'm not going to meet you there today. I can't. i got too many other things to do. I promised too many people I'd do something else. In other words, my feelings is not important to you. Yeah, they're important, you but I don't think... You've been, you been hanging on to them for a long time. I don't think another day is going to hurt you that bad. You what? I said you've been putting up with it. You've been... Your feelings... If, they surely didn't get hurt last night because they ain't said nothing to nobody last night. They ain't talked to nobody. So it had to be before then. So if Leonard, we got hurt, but... Leonard, you, you believe you're going to have when you die? I ain't concerned with that right now. I'm concerned with your problem. I want you to quit thinking that I'm going to... Well, I'm going to show you one thing. I'm, I'm coming to your house. Upset your wife. Upset you. Upset me. I'll be there in a minute. Here's the thing. Bub Skelton is not the only voice on Leonard Brown's tapes. There are lots of people, and his son is still going through the collection. But to give you a taste of what we're hearing behind the scenes, and what you might hear in upcoming episodes, here are some clips from a very interesting phone call. What you're about to hear is a cop named Billy Ledbetter, and a call he made to Sheriff Bob Martin's house a couple of years after Martin left the sheriff's office. This happened while Sheriff Cash Williams was in office. Bob Martin was not at home but his wife picked up. Hello. Hey, is this Miss Martin? Yes. Is Mr. Martin there? No, he isn't. Oh, well, this is Billy. Ledbetter? Uh-huh. I just wanted to talk to him a while. I... Billy, he left this morning about 10.30 and has gone to Tennessee. He's got a horse racing Thursday and one Friday. Y'all doing all right? Pretty good. He's... Been working hard, fixing fences and repairing machinery and siloing corn and getting ready now to plant some oats and some grazing. He's, he's staying busy then. Yeah, he, he is. He says, he, he says that kind of work, it tires you out, but it doesn't kill you. <laughs> Does he feel safe out there working in the field with this new sheriff we got? <laughs> well, I tell you. Well, there's a lot of people want that man back. <laughs> oh, Lousy. Well, Billy, I'll tell you what. 
Well, let me ask you something, Billy. Maybe I ain't supposed to be asking this. But I heard somewhere that, um, that they had found somebody had said that somebody hired or tried, that Cash Williams tried to hire somebody to, to shoot him. He did. Huh? He did. Is that true? If you didn't quite catch all that, that's Bob Martin's wife talking about a rumor that was going around town that Sheriff Williams had hired somebody to kill a man named Larry Atkins, the publisher of a small newspaper. This is a very long story, but as Leonard Brown tells it, it's a story that started when Cash Williams had some trouble with a woman. And that scorned woman started sending some very personal things to the publisher, including some compromising photos of the sheriff. And as serious as it all was, it was just as hilarious. The sheriff had a girlfriend. Her husband worked for the bail system. They moved to Atlanta. He'd done been promising her he'd leave his wife, so she says. He didn't quit and marry her, so she finally got fed up with it. She had him pretty well tagged. Yeah, I had nude pictures of she didn't send none of her, but she said they took them for each other to look at why they wasn't together. <laughs> but she had tons of letters. She had a big folder full of letters that he had written her. And, and he was sort of a comical guy. In one of his letters we, we was reading, uh, he said uh, he told her he was coming down to, down to Atlanta uh, next Tuesday or sometime and said, when I get there, the Long Ranger's going to ride again. <laughs> So <laughs> he'd be writing and said, uh, I'm coming down there next week and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something in you about this long and draw a big line on the damn paper, you know. <laughs> so, so that stupid stuff is that. That is what it's like to be in the presence of Leonard Brown, a man who knows more than just the bones of the skeletons in the closet. He knows every bit of their DNA. That is why you'll hear more from Brown and his recordings as this story continues. We'll be back next week with another full episode of Murder Etc. Murder Etc.